What's up, everybody? Jay Miller here, bringing another Productivity in Tech podcast. It is later than I wanted it to be, but I am bringing the first um, episode of the week for September 2nd, 2019. Uh, To everyone in the States, happy post-Labor Day. I hope you uh, cooked out and had some, some good foods and things like that. We didn't, which is okay. We had good food, but we didn't cook out, and that's okay. We just kind of lounged around the house, and I did some work and got to hang out with the family, and and sometimes that's what you need, just to to recharge the batteries, not put too much pressure on yourself to uh, have a super impactful holiday. Uh, I think that's something that a lot of people need these days. Uh, This new format, I kind of have some topics that I wanted to bring up, and that is a good segue into the, the first one, which is some of the mental health issues I've seen around the net. There's a lot going on in just today's climate, uh, climate, whether we're talking politically, whether we're talking about the perception and the opinions that many people have all over the internet, whether good or bad, and how that affects us. One of the things that I've noticed in this short era of Pitt as a business is the issue with having to put yourself out there and the impact that can play on your mental health. You know, for me, it's so funny that the harder I try, the worse I feel. And on top of all of that, the... I don't know, I guess in millennial speak, like the thirstier you look and the more off-putting it can be. Whereas the people that, I don't want to say are successful, but the people who radiate success often radiate it from a position of, I make this look easy. And the truth is that makes other people feel like crap. That makes me feel like crap. You know, when I watch other people who have, you know, whether they've not been in the game as long as I have, or they don't seem to have the technical abilities that I believe that I have, and they're successful, but meanwhile, I'm out here, like, struggling to, you know, gain clients or whatever. I, you know, I think that's, I think that's just the thing. That's, that's people putting on a face that is the Instagramification of, today's social climate if you don't look successful people won't think you're successful so in your mind it comes off as I shouldn't be allowed to continue on or I shouldn't gain clients in this area in fact one of the things that I've been thinking about in this area a lot is an idea that I first learned about in the Marine Corps and this goes all the way back to boot camp. Uh, in boot camp, you usually had like two types, well, three types of Marines. And that, that tells you exactly kind of where I'm going with this. The first type of, you know, Marine recruit was the one that everyone knew their name. They stood out. They were the fastest runners, the strongest, you know, 
athletes and it always seems it always seemed like they were succeeding in whatever it is they were doing. The other or the second type of Marine was the one that everyone knew, but not for the same reasons. They were the ones that were always messing up. Uh, we had a name for these, but I don't have my profanity like beeper set up yet. So we'll just leave that out. Um, we'll call them trash birds or crap birds. I'm sure you can figure out where I'm going with that. But then you had these other Marines that, to be honest, you don't remember their name. If you saw them out in the fleet, you didn't recognize them. And in reality, if you couldn't pick them out of a lineup, if you know you had to, uh, these were these were the invisible Marines. And the thing is, at the end of the day, everybody achieved at the same level. The outstanding Marines became Marines. You know, they got their rank. The trash birds were either processed out or they got their act together and they became Marines. And then these wallflowers, they, they also became Marines. And I feel like my ability or my inability to not, you know, have my name mentioned somewhere plays a huge part in the level of anxiety that I feel around my business, around my personal productivity, uh, around my development skills. You know, the, the hardest part about owning a business is feeling like a terrible business owner or wanting to be a stellar business owner. Whereas the fact that I'm even choosing to run a business makes me a standout amongst the rest, just like those invisible Marines. You know, just the fact that they joined the Marine Corps makes them stand out above all of, you know, not not saying that they're better than other folks, but it makes them stand out amongst the crowd already. There was no need to try to stand out even more. In fact, it was usually those Marines that didn't get picked on. The stellar Marines got picked on a lot because they needed a reality check and a little bit of humbling. The trash bird Marines got a reality check because... Well, they were trash birds and they were slowing people down. But those invisible Marines were just maintaining the status quo. You know, the same thing happened to me in high school. I wound up going into this outstanding, you know, performers program or whatever. They called it a gifted program. I don't think there's anything gifted about myself or any of the people that joined. We just were being pushed into doing a thing that, uh, to be honest, many of us weren't cut out to do. But I struggled the entire time at the highest level, which made me feel like I wasn't performing when in reality I, I was, I was performing at the highest level, albeit not very well. What would have happened if I just took the standard classes, the middle of the road classes? Maybe I would have done better. Maybe I would have gotten into a, a better school or had more opportunities down the road. You know, we always talk about the the jocks in high school that wind up, you know, showing up to the high school reunion balding and, you know, not really having done much, having uh, peaked in, having peaked in their high school years. And then you have the nerds and the people that were picked on and weren't considered all that great and 
you know, they wind up getting good jobs, getting, you know, having a family and things like that. And then they show up and you're like, oh, wow, look at look at Jim. Jim's no one would have ever thought Jim was would have done any of this stuff. They were they weren't most likely to succeed. In fact, I can't even remember what they looked like in the yearbook. You know, I, I start to think that maybe I should have done or I should do more things like that in my own business instead of trying to focus on how I can create the next, you know, million dollar consulting business or, or things like that. Maybe I should just be happy with the clients that I have, continue working on them and not focus all too much on growth. I don't know. Let me know what you think. I, I, I don't want this to be such a mind bending exercise and I'm not telling anyone that they should try you know not as hard to do things I just think that if you have a goal that you're trying to accomplish more than likely that goal is hard enough as it is that you shouldn't be so worried about you know and put all that extra pressure on yourself I think you'll do just fine even if you don't have a million people tweet out that thing that you did. But let's jump back, you know, jump into the next section. What have I been doing um, other than pontificating the uh, the meaning of my life and business here? Uh, what have I been doing? Well, not much, really. I've been I've been doing some transcription stuff, uh, playing around with transcriptions. I was able to get my transcriptor uh, code up and running and converted over to the Amazon transcription service. Uh, it's interesting that I, I started with Amazon. I switched over to Google Cloud Storage because in reality, Google Cloud was cheaper. Uh, but in my opinion, it wasn't as effective, which is really interesting. So, you know, there is that. Uh, the Amazon transcribe service is actually a lot easier to deal with than the Google side. And I did make some interesting steps in my workflow. Uh, there are two tools. Uh, one that I, I, I well, I, I don't want to talk about one because honestly, I only used it for a few minutes. So maybe, maybe once I get a little bit more practice with it, I will talk about it. Or maybe if I find a better one, basically, it's just a, a playback tool that allows you to play audio files from Dropbox. Uh, and then I can put that in like the side view mode on my iPad and then have the transcript open in, you know, drafts or Coda or some type of text editor for iPad and be working on it while I have the playback going and I can quickly pause and scrub and go back. But even then, I feel like it's still just so much easier to do on Mac OS. And for that, I'm I'm actually using some oldie but goodies. I'm using uh, BB Edit to edit the transcript. And the way that the transcript outputs is it takes the JSON um, dictionary and creates uh, just a standard transcript. And every time the speaker changes, um, Amazon does speaker detection based on uh, either channels or you can have it algorithmically try. I just let it use the channel detection because one, it's a little bit more reliable and my transcription clients know to just send me a modified version of the file with one speaker on the left channel, one speaker on the right. And, you know, from there, Bob's your uncle. So for that, I have the transcript that's output in VLC. 
every time the speaker changes, it tells me that there's a speaker change, who the speaker is, and the time in seconds um, that I'm at where the speaker change happened. And the reason I do that is when I'm playing back the audio, I'm playing it back through VLC. Now, uh, Virtual LAN Media Player or VLC Player is a really cool old school tool that I've used for, man, over a decade, I think at this point. Uh, It's very simple, not a lot of bells and whistles, but one of the things that it does really well is it, it has a variable playback speed and you can jump your um, playback to a specific time. The one issue is that jump to time feature only takes seconds, which is why having the time in seconds displayed on the channel switches is so important. Now, I do have that code available online on my GitHub repo. Uh, if you want to check that out, I will have a link in the show notes. But I will tell you that it is definitely a work in progress, and there are some things that I want to do, especially in the area of building a custom dictionary. You know, right now, you know, we last week we talked about pricing and things like that, and my transcription prices are, you know, $65 a week. Or not a week, what am I saying? No, definitely not. Uh, $65 per hour of content. So for me, I can tell you now, it is almost not worth it. Like it takes a couple of days to do a transcription, not because it is hard to do. It's just very, very daunting. And all of the machine learning based transcription tools are absolute garbage. Um, I said earlier that Amazon transcribes, you know, transcription services were better than Google's speech to text. And I mean that, but Better is kind of a, a relative phrase. It's not better by a mile. It's just better, just a little bit better. And there's still a lot of areas where the transcription service doesn't recognize the text correctly. And the fact that I'm working with developer content makes it even harder. You know, transcription services aren't that great in understanding words like Xamarin and .NET Framework and uh, JSON and, you know, other things like that. And when it comes to anything that's named, you know, one of my favorite Python libraries is Maya. You know, Amazon Transcribe isn't going to understand what that means. And in fact, it's actually going to be looking at the words around it, trying to develop context for that item. But because of that, it makes it even harder because it'll think, oh, he didn't say Maya. He said my eye or my uh, (laughs) and that does make things a little interesting. So I'm about to start looking into the idea of building my own custom dictionary that has all of these different uh, phrases and contexts for developers to be able to use for their podcasts, coursework, and other things when it comes to building transcriptions out for the content. I think that takes me to the next project that uh, I actually did a lot of work on today over this, uh, this day off, this holiday, and that is my billing project. So as I mentioned before, I am a digital media 
consultant and editor, which is a glorified way of saying I edit podcasts, course videos, and can also provide transcriptions, but I also have some marketing you know, experience, so I can help you market your product if necessary. One of the biggest things when it comes to working for yourself is making sure that you get paid for the work that you do. So how do I do that? Well, I use Stripe to manage my premium subscriptions, my um, newsletter editing uh, fees, my podcast editing fees, video editing fees, all, all of the different things that I charge people to do. I basically have to go into Stripe, add that content, and then uh, on quote unquote billing day, I send them an invoice. Well, that's actually going to change. I'm, I'm no longer doing that. In fact, the way that I'm doing it now is I am going to send everyone automatic invoices based on a subscription setup in Stripe. And this does a few things, a few that I like, a few that I don't like. Uh, one of the things that it does that I don't like is it makes it harder for me to apply patch notes or invoice notes to that month's invoice. And the reason being for that is the invoice is generated now programmatically. The other thing that it kind of gets rid of is an itemized list of services. Now I am looking into a way to restoring that kind of creating it in like the the invoice notes or whatever. But here's the reason why I do that. In transcriptions, no matter how bad they are, I bill down to the second. And I'm sorry, I, I bill down to the minute. I don't bill down to the second. For video editing, I bill down to the minute. For podcast editing, I bill down to the hour. Well, for podcast editing, I build a, I build a flat rate plus a surcharge if you go over an hour, 15 minutes. But, but the idea behind this is instead of making them individualized items and then have to build specific quantities for each item, it's easier if I sign them up for a subscription that bills based on metered usage. So for the items that I bill, essentially like for a single unit, I just say, okay, add one. And then it multiplies that by however, whatever the base cost is. And then at the end of the month or at the end of their billing cycle, it sends them an invoice saying, hey, you have X number of units that have been accrued in this area. And of course, like I said, my goal is I'm going to try to provide some notes in that that explain those items in a bit more detail. And if I can't do it there, what I'm going to do is uh, maybe send a monthly recap showing, hey, here are the areas that or here's why you were billed what you were billed um, and just send that via a separate email. That way they have it for their records. I know that's kind of important. They want to know, you know, what they're being billed for. But what this does for me is this takes out the entire process of having to manually add um, projects once they're done. Um, almost. It, it decreases the amount of work that's required. One of the things that I do with this is what I was 
talking about before I jumped into that long explanation of of how that process works. So what this code that I wound up working on this afternoon does is effectively it is set up so that each of my clients have their own uh, Python command line based uh, script that is that is modifiable by so this code is basically a, a script for each client that is executable via the command line where I just type in the name of the person, the type of product, and then the quantity of units, quote unquote. And again, for some of these items, it'll just be one because one is just a single item. Think of it as like a newsletter going out. It's just one newsletter. Uh, but then other types would be a rounded number of minutes. So if I'm doing a transcription for a 52-minute long podcast episode, it would be the name of the client, transcription, 52. And what that does is it looks up, you know, who the client is, what their... What their subscription ideas for that type of product or transcriptions. And then it would say, Hey, add 52 units onto their subscription for transcriptions. And again, the biggest thing about this is I'm able to add items to invoices faster in this way, but also now I don't have the responsibility of sending an invoice to them. The invoice gets sent automatically based on their billing cycle. The other thing I like about this is it gives me the ability to offload this to a separate device or service. I can tie it to something like Heroku or use something like Zapier and then connect it to my Dropbox. So if say someone sends me a file for uh, a new audio package that needs to be transcribed. When that happens, I can start up a Heroku instance, have it pull that content directly and immediately begin the transcription process. And then on top of that, go ahead and add the billing units to that product. And then do some other automation stuff, you know, add it to my base camp so that I can track on it. Um, all those good things. But that's the whole purpose of doing this. It, it's not necessarily because I can, although that is a good reason to, but it is to make life a little bit easier in those specific areas. The last bit of code I want to talk about is my render engine project. Render engine is a static web page generator or website generator um, project that takes some of the best parts of Pelican and the best parts of Flask and kind of puts them together in this new little nifty tool that I'm working on. And I'm, I'm working with a pit crew member, uh, shout out to Russell, uh, who's been super helpful in this. Happy to say that we finished our first story, uh, working on the project. One of the things that I have never had to do is work in a setting of 
this is what we're going to do. Here's all the documentation for it. Here's the plan, the layout of, of each step in the workflow, you know, add documentation, add, add project level documentation, add public level documentation, add private level documentation, build your tests, uh, make sure that your tests are passing both locally and in your CI CD. Uh, then also make sure that new tests are being built. Make sure that your code coverage is still, you know, at a hundred percent and, and do all of these things. Normally I'm used to, and, uh, the code that I just talked about, you know, all of these, these billing scripts are poorly documented because I'm the only one using them. And while it is important that I know what I did, you know, down the road, a lot of the code is very self-explanatory, especially using the uh, project package thing of the week that I'm going to talk about in a second, which is click. But yeah, just being able to do that, I, I finished one package and now I am doing the scary thing of working on two packages at once and kind of two stories at once. And it's interesting because I'm doing this not to speed up the process, but to get a better understanding of what goes in each package. You know, it's kind of that idea of if you're not sure if something should go in box one or box two, the best way to discern the difference is to have both boxes open in front of you whenever you pick up an item. If it looks more like the stuff that goes in box one. You put it in box one. If it looks more like the stuff that goes in box two, you put it in box two. Uh, that's actually how I'm tackling this because some things should go into one area. But then when I think about them, you know, a little bit differently, then I go, oh, you know what? Maybe it should actually go in this other area. And of course, having someone help out with that, being able to ask questions and, you know, get a dialogue going and that that helps a ton. And I understand now the benefit of working with others, even if you are the only one, I don't want to say the only one writing code because I'm not in this case, but even if the project is just yours, like just having someone to also look at what you're doing. You know, one of the interesting things was we ran into a huge issue where um, our continuous integration tool was not detecting or not running properly. And we weren't sure what it, you know, what was causing the problem, but because I had someone else on board, that's the only reason I was able to detect this, which is good because now I know, hey, if someone else were to uh, fork the code and try to, you know, make their own patch or, you know, do some type of open source contribution to it, then they would run into these problems. So, I not only had to fix the problem with our, our continuous integration tool, which we were able to, but I also needed to document uh, why the problem happened and what you can do to prevent that problem from happening to you. Uh, it's interesting how we don't think about these things until the shoe's on the other foot, you know, until we're, until we're forced to think like that. So this new works, you know, this new work style is very very interesting and in fact you know as i'm when, as i'm talking about it i'm reminded of a video that i will also include in the show notes um, and also include in the newsletter if you don't subscribe to the newsletter you definitely should productivityintech.com 
It's on the front page. Quick little sign up sheet there. Uh, but it was a, an interview with Jack White as he was um, preparing to release his latest album that came out like a year ago or two years ago at this point. But I was listening to the interview and in it he said that it was so interesting that he almost made it, he almost imposed rules on himself that made the creation of the album more difficult. And he did it because he felt like by doing that, it allowed him to think about things in ways that he never would have initially thought. And I feel like that's what, in a way, I'm doing. By adding this new component, by adding these steps into the process, it's forcing me to think about my code differently and how I write code differently and, you know, in the pit world, how I run my business differently. And, you know, that's something that usually you have to pay somebody a lot of money for. <laughs> you know, you have to hire a consultant to come in and look at stuff and go, have you tried this? You know, one of the ways that we were able to, you know, discover that was just by changing how we did something, putting in some rules saying, hey, you know, if you want to add new code, you got to write the test for that code. You got to maintain your code coverage level. And then you also got to write all the documentation for it. And by doing that, I'm telling myself, eh, I don't think this feature is absolutely necessary. And like, it's causing me to thin out the offering, but also optimize what I do offer and make it easier to understand. So I, I kind of hinted to it earlier. Uh, I wanted to talk about like my thing of the week. Uh, that is this package called Click. Uh, it's a Python module. If you know me, I'm a Pythonista. It's what I do. Uh, and Click is a great way to turn a Python script into a command line tool. And there are other tools that do this, like ArcParse, and uh, there are other things that you can do just using the system module to have your Python script take inputs. Uh, whenever you run it from standard input. But the thing about click that makes it, in my opinion, the cleanest way to do this is that it allows you to add things like prompts, add content, you know, add help commands so that you can say, hey, you know, Python run this script, this command line option, but I don't know what to give it. So dash dash help. And it automatically builds out all of this content for you just to make sure that you know what is being done, you know, when it happens. And that is not something that I'm entirely used to, but something that I do enjoy. So, yeah, shout out to Click again. I will throw that into the show notes. And I think that's going to do it. We've been talking for 35 minutes. Uh, coming up later this week is an interview that I did with the super awesome uh, Charlie Chapman, AKA Chucky. Uh, he's a pit crew member, super awesome guy, just released his first indie app. I think I talked about it a little bit last week. Uh, Dark Noise, great app. I was uh, checking it out and using it for a while and I really enjoyed it. But uh, yeah, I interviewed him right before the launch and I'm gonna have that uh, play later this week but if you want it right now you can 
become a pit premium member you not only get access to these conversations you get access to the after show conversations where uh, in this case charlie interviews me and asks me questions you also get a direct line to me a second newsletter each week and many other things that i think up on the fly and send directly to them that that is the pit premium members as i see fit uh, more information about that at productivityintech.com membership if you want to reach out to me, you can totally do so. I am at KJY Miller. Of course, you can subscribe to prod underscore and underscore tech for all things pit. And yeah, I'm going to be doing some newsletter stuff later this week. So be on the lookout for that. And again, also be on the lookout for this uh, interview that I did with Charlie. But I have to thank Icon for Audio for the generous donation of audio equipment. They are what is making this podcast right now. And thank you to Nadir Omawali for the use of his intro and outro music, A Hustler, in spite of myself. Uh, I've, I'm playing around with some stuff. I might do some new intro and outro music, not because I don't like the song, just because I I just want to play around with some stuff, honestly, if, I, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, but that's going to do it. I hope you've been productive. I'm Jay Miller. Until next time, take care.